Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hey everyone, welcome back to Therapy and Theology. Happy Thursday. Hope you guys are having a good week. And today we are going to be jumping into the conclusion of our discussion on the elements of emotional and spiritual health. This was introduced by Mark McMinn a few weeks ago in our interview. But today we're going to be diving into the questions surrounding the topic of healing relationships. So if you haven't listened to anything in the past few weeks, that's okay. The past few weeks, we have explored our sense of self and worthiness, our sense of brokenness and need as both being vital also to our emotional and spiritual health. Now, this third component is the final of the three. And what I think is so powerful about all three of these elements is that they are so interconnected with one another. Now, the level of health that we hold in regards to our sense of self and our sense of needs and our healing relationships is vital and impacts the way we feel and function. So when it comes to relationships, though, I have found that they are both central to our healing and to our hurting. And I know this kind of sounds like a contradiction, but let's explore this a little bit more today and understand the importance of healing relationships. Now, I think it goes without saying that we all desire, and even I would argue need relationships. From an attachment standpoint, human connection, bonding, co-regulation, and what psychologists call contingency are all part of the healing process. 
Yet we also know the opposite effect is a reality, right? Isolation, rejection, shame, disloyalty, conflict, abuse, lack of connection all impact our relationships drastically. And I don't think that I've ever been in a counseling session that did not contain the desire for connection, affection, or love, right? We, we talk about relationships because relationships are at the foundation of who we are as relational beings. And I think it's important to understand the complexity of relationship and how it applies to God and ourselves. So although the question is simple, I find that it is the starting point for all of the discussion on relationships. And it's this, why are healthy healing relationships such an important component to our spiritual and emotional well-being? Now, as a therapist who focuses on attachment and trauma, I view the quality of relationships as such a foundational component to both a healthy sense of self and a healthy sense of need. Additionally, as Mark noted in our discussion, relationship is at the heart of Christian theology, that God ultimately desires a relationship with us, and we are designed for a relationship with Him. And he went on to say that when relationship goes wrong, we experience the most suffering. And I don't know about you, but this is so true in my life. So I want to begin with an understanding of the framework of attachment theory and how it impacts our relationships and our sense of self. Maybe you've heard of attachment styles before, but if you haven't, attachment is just a clinical term used to describe a lasting psychological connectedness between human beings. And oftentimes our attachment style is foundationally created within our relationships with our primary caregivers. Developmentally, our attachment style is formed within the first two years of our lives. Isn't that crazy? So there are four primary attachment styles, secure attachment, ambivalent, or as some call it, anxious, avoidant, or disorganized. Now, many people have a percentage of secure attachment, along with what I like to refer to as adaptions, which are formed out of necessity. These are levels of insecure attachment that are proved to impact our sense of self, our ability to acknowledge our needs, and how we interact within our relationships. But here's the good news, regardless of your attachment style or adaptions, biologically, our DNA is encoded for security. Isn't that incredible? This is foundational because we are, at our core, relational beings. We are designed for relationship with God and others. Being made in the image of God, we have the capacity for connection, empathy, love, and reciprocity. The authors of The Reciprocating Self say it this way, to be human is to be created in and for relationship with God and others. German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer notes this also in his book, Life Together. He explains this intrinsic nature for relationships, saying that Christian community is not an ideal that we must realize, but rather a reality created by God in Christ, which we may participate. And Dr. Henry Cloud, psychologist and author, notes this. He says, relationship and bonding is at the foundation of God's nature. Since we are created in his likeness, relationship is our most fundamental need, the very foundation of who we are. And without relationship, without attachment to God and others, we cannot be ourselves. Now, with this foundation of both attachment and the Imago Dei foundation of our theology, I think it can be hard to reconcile the fact that 
these relationships are sometimes not evident in our life. You know, if we don't have safe relationships, if we've grown up with attachment adaptions because of unhealthy childhood relationships, this can pervade everything. And what I think we have to acknowledge is that this disruption of the union of healthy healing relationships can be explained by the brokenness of sin that pervades every relationship that we now possess. Regardless of where we come from or how we experience relationships, I think we each deeply desire to be reunited with the one who created us. And what we learn is that our relationships teach us so much about who we are, the legitimacy of our needs and the safety of bringing our scars and tears and our toughest questions to another. But as we all know, relationships are messy to say the least, aren't they? Much of our experiences relationally have taught us quite the opposite, I think, of what God intended. If you look through scripture, you will also see that relational dysfunction was evident. (laughs) What the fall fractured, God has redeemed through the relational sacrifice of his very own son, by which we can be reunited to him, our father, maker, and creator. And by the help of the spirit, we can be reconciled and even united with one another. And honestly, in many ways, I feel as though the modern Christian church does not always embody this foundational truth of relationships set forth in scripture. And because of the reality of our relational erosion and the unhealed wounds that we've experienced through oppression or injustice or judgment or fear, we are left with both a marred view of relationship to God and a distrust towards relationship with others. So maybe this is your experience. Maybe relationships or the concept of healing relationships seems quite scary to you because of how you've experienced relationship hurt in the past. And so today I want to provide a framework for us to understand the components of healthy healing relationships. I think sometimes we can talk so frequently about how relationships aren't working. And so before we do that, which we'll go into in the next series next month, I want to provide for us a picture of what healthy relationships look like first with God and then with others. And this is our goal and aim. This is the development of the relational self as we create healthy rhythms built on these characteristics, both with God and then with others we can experience healing both relationally and personally. And so let's jump into these four elements that characterize healing relationships. The first component of this healing relationship is covenant love or unconditional love. And it proposes a commitment over a condition. And we see this in scripture in relation to God It says in 1 John 3 that see what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. This is a fundamental understanding of God's commitment to us, that his love for us is unconditional and not based on our abilities or our performance or our good behavior. Maybe you've grown up believing that God's love was contingent on your love for him or on your ability to be a good Christian, but these are conditions for love, and that's not love based on scripture. It is based on law or legalism rather than on the movement of God towards his children. If you've grown up in conditional relationships with your family or your church culture, 
experiencing the unconditional love of God may seem unfamiliar or even wrong. But when we look back to scripture, we see that God loved first. We don't get to determine God's love for us. It just is. How we respond to that love is our choice. What I think is so powerful is that in 1 John four nineteen, it says that we love because he first loved us. So as we accept and respond to God's love for us, we can love differently. And this is where the relational piece comes in. In John thirteen thirty five, Jesus gave a new commandment. He says to love one another, not just out of conditions or how that person makes us feel, But he says to love as I have loved you. This is unconditional love. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And although we are not God and we are not able to unconditionally love like he does, we can commit to living as disciples, learning to love without conditions, out of love rather than for love seeking to love the least of these, and loving as God loved us. In addition to this unconditional love that pervades God's relationship with us, we also see that grace is a response to failure. We see this in the concept of gracing over shaming. How does God respond to our failure? The belief that we have about this really impacts the way we feel. I think there's a lot of large misconceptions due to our experience in earthly relationships. We can feel shame and fear and even a pressure to be perfect. But God manifests his grace in the life of Jesus, who took our shame and sin so that we might be reconciled to God. So God responds to our failures through grace, Jesus Christ. And when we look back to Jesus' example through his ministry, we never see him shame anyone. In contrast, he engages with both the sinner and the religious and calls them out of their sin or legalism into grace through trust and commitment. So what God have you grown up knowing? Our view of grace impacts our sense of self and our sense of need in powerful ways. And when it comes to others, we cannot give what we do not have, right? Grace is the willingness to forgive and be forgiven. And so it starts with our connection to grace personally before it can be given relationally. Grace does not mean we don't have limits either. This is an important contingency. Boundaries are needed and healthy in relationships. Yet we have to acknowledge that when failure happens, because as humans it will, we together seek grace and respond in grace. I have to ask for grace and I have to respond with grace. And this is not a perfect process, right? It is a practice. And number three, empowerment is the third characteristic of healing relationships. Using our gifts and power and influence to encourage, not control. Empowerment is the gift of power, right? And God goes first in this also by providing us a way back to him and empowering us 
with the Spirit to equip us for Christ-likeness. And here we also find Jesus' example of empowerment so countercultural to the power that we see in our relationships and the struggle that we have to engage with others. He explains that power is servanthood. And this empowerment is active love and grace. Jesus never seeks to control us. He came to give us abundant life. And so what does this empowerment look like in our own lives? How do we embody empowerment in our relationship with our spouses, our children? Are we actively giving the invitation for personal power? Or are we leaning more heavily on control? I think the final aspect of these characteristics is probably the most important. And it kind of cycles back to this love that we've talked about at the beginning. But intimacy is the depth of our relationship. It's to know and be known. What we find is that intimacy is the foundational characteristic of healing relationships. This is seen in openness rather than in isolation. We can identify the lack of intimacy where shame is because isolation always follows. To know and be known both to God and to others, is a vulnerable thing, isn't it? Yet God invites us into this intimacy through Christ. I remember once saying to my therapist at the beginning of my healing journey, I love controlled vulnerability, right? Don't we all? I have learned, though, that my wounds, if not shared with others, cannot speak freely of the ways that God has met me to dry my tears and tend to my aching soul. We are desperately afraid of being fully known, because in many ways I believe we have learned that it's not safe or that shame is far too often the response. But with God, it's different. He encourages us to have intimacy with him and calls us out of hiding into grace and unconditional love. So openness with him is built on love, grace, and empowerment. And this allows us to communicate freely and openly with him. And I think it also helps us to have openness with others. This vulnerability to be in the presence of another and to share honestly is built on a relationship of trust and commitment that's only found through first our relationship with God. And again, all of these aspects of healing relationships are a process of deepening our awareness of our relationship with God and how he comes to us in all of these things and then applying these aspects and these characteristics to our personal relationships. So I want to encourage you as we conclude this episode to begin uncovering these characteristics first in your relationship with God. Understanding his unconditional love for you, his grace that wipes away shame, and the ways he has uniquely equipped you to serve and empower others. And finally, the intimacy that he encourages each of us to go deeper with him in honest sharing and openness. I pray that we will continue to understand that God loves first, 
He forgives first. He equips first. And he knows us first. So may we start this healing journey within relationships with God and with others. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkuyer.com. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.